You are listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and I am thrilled to be able to introduce you to Claudia Carroll. And Claudia, at the present time, is on the other side of the Atlantic, but is chomping at the bit to get out into those long queues at Dublin Airport so she can grab a flight and come to Ottawa. It doesn't care how long it takes her to get through there. She's looking forward to coming here because, uh, as you heard in the first half of the show, we had a chat with John P. Kelly. And John told you about what he's doing in bringing Claudia's play to Ottawa for a world premiere staging. While it was a virtual staging in Ireland back in 2021, this is the first time it will have been seen by an audience in public. And it's at the Gladstone. And as we heard that uh, just before. And the other thing you would have just heard before we start chatting with Claudia was an excerpt from the play by uh, one of the characters called Susan. And I sat and I watched Susan uh, speak this and I had to sit there. And I haven't said this to Claudia, but it reminded me of my cousin from Kimmage. And I'll tell her about that. Claudia is um, not just the author of this play, but is a very well-known actress in Dublin, in Ireland. She has been a villain on Fair City. I understand uh, uh, yeah, with a dark and deep and dark past. And she has also written, if I'm not mistaken, 30, I think it is, um, books, 30 pieces of fiction. Uh, so I, I've said enough. Claudia, I'm thrilled to have you here. Well, Austin, I'm the one who's thrilled. I am so happy to be chatting to you. I am so happy that I'm coming to Canada. And I just have to tell you, I wish it was 30 books, but it's actually, I'm about to publish my 18th, number okay. 18. Yes, okay. it's called The Love Algorithm. It's about online dating that goes belly up, let's just say, which is a whole different conversation, Austin, for a different show. Based on the phrase you just used, it might be a conversation for a different yeah, um, Austin, please, can you tell me and your listeners the story about the cousin in Kimmage? That sounded great. Well, he, he actually, he had, a practice, he had a professional practice in Kimmage, and I'll be very quick, but he lived in Turnure, and we were over babysitting. So this is a long time ago, and Dublin Gas were meant to come out and do some work. And they told him, and this was maybe on a Thursday, and they told him they couldn't come out till next Wednesday. And he said, not good enough. He said, and he got, he said, who am I talking to? And I think the girl might have said Mary. And he said, Mary, he says, I haven't had a tantrum in public in an awful long time. <laughs> and he says, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be down at the office tomorrow in the afternoon at 2 p.m. because I finished work and I can come down and I'll have a tantrum in the office and I'll ask for you. <gasps> now, if you, now, if your technician arrives tomorrow morning, you have nothing to worry about. I won't be down. He didn't need to go down to the office. I am so going to use that line again. The next time I'm having fights with, you know, it's always what communicate telecom companies here um, to do with your Wi-Fi or your phone line or your TV or your Sky package or whatever you're on. And uh, I, I am going to quote your cousin. That's a gem. 100% success. Look at your cousin. 
There you go. There you go. So now that's enough about me. We're not here to talk about my history. Well, Austin, can I just say also to your listeners, Austin, you've been like a tour guide telling me about all the amazing things there are to do in Ottawa, the cycling, the canal walks, the tulip festival. Yeah. Like, there's nothing I'm not loving. I cannot wait to get there. I've never been to Canada, would you believe? Never. Well, you're in for um, a treat. I know. Everybody. And people, I mean, anyone I know who's been lucky enough to go there, they all agree on one thing. They say the people are the kindest, loveliest, most generous souls on the planet. So I'm just really looking forward to to meeting lovely Canadian people. And the they're, cast of Primrose Square, jeez. They're kind of the, Claudia, they're kind of the second kindest, nicest ever. The nicest are where you are at the moment. Oh, uh, well, no, that goes that way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay, come on. Let's talk about st- fair, city, fair City to start with. You start, oh, you're, yeah, Austin, so you're it was that, horrible. I'm a meanie in it. No, listen, don't judge me by that. I'm a meanie. I'm, <laughs> I'm really mean. I always say my character is just this, this, you know one of those people that no matter where they go, there's a row? You know, do you ever have someone like that in your life that everything is, even if they're having a really innocuous conversation with you about, you know, put the kettle on, let's have tea, it's a row. Every, she's just argumentative, she's confrontational. Um, where she goes, trouble follows. Um, she has been a very bold girl in the past and has dated men who are not necessarily single and who might have wives and uh, the character now not me um is just a bit of a bad egg so i always say though you know when you're playing a baddie you always my friend patricia scanlon another author always says no one's born like that no one's born a witch no one's born horrible so she always says, as a writer, as a playwright, your du- as an actor, your duty is to find out what is it about uh, anyone that makes them like that. Like, what is it in their lives that, that made them turn out like that? Um, and I always think with Nicol- in, in my character's case on the soap opera, which I've been in since, oh, uh, 30 years now, in and out, would you believe? 30, I went in when I was in my 20s, and I'm not in my 20s anymore. Um but I think with this character, I always say she's the kind of person that um, if if there was a war and if you were in a trench like World War One, you'd want her beside you because she is going to get you out of there ruthlessly. She is a survivor. But she's the kind of person, if she moved in next door to you, you'd sell your house and go. You couldn't stick that. You couldn't put up with that. Life's too short. Okay, I know a few so, people like so that. I, I do. Like when I'm in it, you know, a lot, I get kind of not very nice things said to me on the street, Austin. Not very nice. People say, oh, you're a terrible bitch and you're to leave this one alone and leave Paul alone, who's my poor beleaguered uh, ex-husband. So, yeah, but you know, those those parts are great to play. Like, as an actor, you love them because um, there's always a bit of comedy in it and you just love being, you know, people kind of love to hate people like that and it's great crack to play. So, Claudia, what got you into acting to start with? Oh God, it, it was never, with me, it was something I never didn't do. It was something I had been doing since a small child. I was a child actor, uh, doing shows when I was a kid, doing all the feshes, uh, doing a film. I did a film when I was like eight, nine, um, doing commercials. Like I was just one of those really annoying showbiz kids that went to drama school and that was always getting time off school to go to auditions and do drama exams. And in in my life as a kid and now, it was drama, theatre first, 
everything else, school, well, except for my family, but school, a distant second. So it was never like, hmm, I think I'll be an actor. It was just something I never didn't do. No, if that was the case, I guess then was it was it that your mum or your dad or somebody had a, an ambition for oh, you, or no, was it something it, you you not wanted that to? Not at all. Like mum and dad were kind of going, where is she getting this from? We still don't know. Um, dad says his mother was an amateur actor, uh, so I don't know maybe, but it was just something I fell in love with as a really young child. So there was never a road to Damascus moment of, oh, I think I would like to devote my life to this. It was just, um, and think, you know, acting like not to, especially for women, which is why I wrote Primrose Square. It's, it's a tough job. Like, it's really tough. Now, when you're young, just in the life cycle of an actress, in your 20s, there's plenty of parts. There's just plenty. There's always pretty girl, ingenue, young ones in shows. Always. And like most actors who started out at the same time as me, in our 20s, we just went from job to job to job. And we thought, oh, this is cool. This is okay. This is doable. You know, we can make a living here. This is okay. But by the time you turn in your 30s, the roles start to get fewer and more far between. Literally. Now, I'm not joking. It's kind of changing now on TV because women are producing their own work. Women like Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, you know, who are just going, right, I'm optioning that book. I'm going to make it into a 12-part series, and I'm going to cast women in their 40s and in their 50s. And, you know, who doesn't applaud that? Mm -hmm. But I promise you, in the theatre world, certainly my experience is you turn 40, and it's like a tap being turned off. Mm -hmm. So uh, a little bit before then, I had turned to writing novels, because it was just something I always wanted to do. And it's kind of an extension of storytelling, which is to me what acting is. And I used to do it in the dressing rooms of Fair City, of the soap opera I was in. And when I was meant to be learning my lines, I had the laptop out and I'd be bashing away on an old novel. And to my astonishment, it was taken up by an agent. Uh, one of our directors on Fair City had the same agent and had her, launched her own first book when we were working together. And she said, you know, you should get an agent. You know, you need to do this. And here I am 18 books later and 18 years later. And it's just been great. Um, but theatre just, you know, it's in your blood and it's in your bones. And I wrote the book, The Secrets of Primrose Square, which was published, oh, my God, about um, uh, 2018. So it was just before COVID. And I, I'll give you a laugh. I was actually on a rival radio show, Austin. I was on the Pat Kenny show here in Ireland chatting away the book was out on the shelves and I was chatting away about it and came out of the interview you know Pat Kenny I'm sure you know I'm so polite and so professional like yourself and uh, I was kind of poodling out of the studio and a producer called Pat Moylan an amazing producer who I, I've worked with many times called me and John P. Kelly who you just heard on the show earlier has is a great pal of Pat and she wrote me and she said I heard your interview and you were chatting about your book, but you know what? That's It's a story about three very strong women. And uh, she said, I think that could be a play. Did you ever think of that for the stage? And I went, what? And she said, let's have a coffee. Let's just have a chat. So we did. And I tell you, Austin, the hardest work I ever did. We had two years and 14 drafts of Redraft, 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 redraft. I used to call my producer, Pat Moylan, um, Columbo. Do you remember Columbo? Yeah, I do. You think you're finished. 
and I, you'd think the case was finished, and I would think, deliver a draft and go, right, that's number 14. It has to be finished now. She has to be happy now. And she would do a Columbo and go, yeah, there's just one more thing. And I'd be going, oh, no. So anyway, we had um, 2019, uh, 2020, I beg your pardon, came, and we had show cast all touring lined up, a tour all over Ireland, all these brilliant theatres in Cork and Galway and Limerick and Waterford and Wexford and Athlone and Port Leash and then, of course, Dublin. And I'm beside myself. And then a certain pandemic came, reared its ugly head. And so we got to stream the show uh, in July of 2021, but it was never actually performed in front of a live audience. Enter John P. Kelly from the Gladstone Theatre, who saw the streaming and got in touch and said, I'd like to produce that actually here. I'm going to direct it as well. And I went, great. And here we are. And it's opening. It's actually opening on the 28th of May, Thursday, in the Gladstone Theatre. And I'm just dizzy with excitement. Can't tell you. Very proud moment. Big thing for me. Really big thing. You know what I find interesting, what you've been saying? Here you were, you were in a, a dressing room or in the green room um, involved in what would be reading script, but you're writing prose. Correct, yes. And 18 prose works later, somebody says, turn it back into script. I know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not easy, I tell you. Oh, very hard. No, and, and what I find interesting is that given that you work in script so much, that to, that actually I would see that that presents a real dilemma because you're so familiar with the acting and the script side of it that to take what you've written in prose and bring it to script could be something for you that is um, a challenge in because for a stranger, I guess someone who's always written script, that's all you do. Uh, but to move from one side of the camera to the other or one side of the stage to the other or one side of uh, media to the other and then try and move back, that that must have been... Not easy. Uh, no. Not easy. But then there's a payoff, Austin, you know, and the payoff is um, just getting to sit in the back row of a theatre, just completely anonymous. Just I, oh, That's all I want to do. I, 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 I said to John P. Kelly, our wonderful director, you just do what you want. Just, you know, yes. you're the man with the experience. What do I know? It's my first play. Um, but I just, all I want, Austin, is to sit in the back row of the Gladstone Theatre and be a punter. That's all. And like, we don't know. We don't know. Are there laughs? Are there tears? We don't have a clue. And there was no, I would have swum the North Atlantic to, to, to get to, to Ottawa. And, um, spend time there and in the theatre and I know it's a very cultural city so I look forward to um, having a good a, a good cultural soak up of of um, when I'm there. I really am excited. The other thing I said to John P and we, we and I chatted about was that you know the difference um, in theatre and different other media like when you read a book you get the opportunity as a writer to create a description and a filmmaker gets the opportunity to develop the physic, the visual scene. But you, as a scriptwriter for a play, has to cons- consolidate all of that 
into the words and actions of the person on the on the stage. And John that's then has to. Uh, that's absolutely right. And you know, it's not easy because, as as I know, I think because I was on the other side of this for all my life since I was a child. Um, audiences are can be very unforgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, if an audience have paid their money in to see a show, and if it's you know, my golden rule is thou shalt not bore. That's the big no-no. Just don't bore people. Entertain. That's your job. Entertain. Do not bore. Um, if a play is boring, if a play isn't working for whatever reasons, you've lost them. You've lo- you've just lost them. People mm-hmm. will leave at the interval, and they're entitled to. And mm-hmm. you know, why should they? I? I've been to shows. I've been to a lot of shows so far this year that I've thought. What's the point of this? Why why is this a play? A play to me has to say something. Mm-hmm. It has to make a point because otherwise you know, why would I not just stay home and watch Netflix or read a book mm-hmm. or that to you? Um but uh people often say to me, What is the play The Secrets of Primrose Square about? And it's actually based on a really famous quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, of all people. I'm sure you know the quote, um When Eleanor Roosevelt said, a woman is a bit like a tea bag. You don't know how strong she is until dipped in hot water. So the play is about, it's set on Primrose Square, which is this lovely residential, middle class, normal, normal, normal square in Dublin. uh, Although it could be played anywhere. Um, and it's about three women leading three completely different lives who are it's the kind of subject matter that appeals to me, which is ordinary women who find themselves in extraordinary situations. And the opening image, just to give you a little teaser, is of a middle aged woman, a woman in her 40s called Susan, who is um, standing out in the lashing rain on Primrose Square, soaked to the skin, absolutely soaked. It's about midnight it's lashing it's freezing cold it's november pitch dark sheets of rain and she has a little flimsy umbrella and she's getting soaked and she is just staring like fixatedly staring up at a house with um on the upstairs an upstairs a light in an upstairs bedroom window and we see the flip side and we realize in that bedroom is a teenage boy, a boy of uh, 18, 19, called Josh, character called Josh. And you think, hang on a second, he's 18, 19, he's a kid. She's in her 40s. What, what is this? Is she stalking him? Has she got some kind of inappropriate crush on someone who's young enough to be her son? What is going on here? And then you realize that this woman, her daughter has died, her, her 18-year-old, um, and she blames this particular boy, Josh, for her daughter's death. Uh, Josh has been exonerated. Before this play even starts, Josh has been exonerated at an inquest. Um, is back in school, is doing his exams. But she is keeping her, her little vigil is, I will not forget my daughter. And this is my vigil. And this is my love of her. And you killed her the same as if you put her into a grave. And that's why I'm here. Cut to a very different neighbour who's going through a very different storyline. And that's Jane. And Jane's my favourite. I love Jane. Because she's older. She's in her she's in her early 70s, but she's early 70s going on 40. She's young at heart. And she's got a son and a daughter-in-law who are pretty awful. 
and they just want her to sell the house so they can get cha-ching, cash in, and they want her to either move in with them or get a granny flat or just basically they want money. They don't care about her, really. But she's news for them, and her news is that she's been online dating, and she's met somebody very special, and he's the same age as her. He's in his 70s. He's young at heart. He travels the world, and um, he's coming to move in with her. So um, I'm not telling you any more about the play. Okay. But, um, I'm just so excited to see <laughs> to see what an audience think of it. They might love it, they might hate it. I mean, you just don't know. But I know it's in the hands of John P. Uh, Kelly. So I'm just so excited, Austin, to be a punter and sit in the back row of the beautiful Gladstone Theatre and hand my play, which is kind of like, you know, I, I'm not a mother, I don't have kids, but this is kind of a little bit like handing my firstborn over to our wonderful director, John P., as we all call him, who's, he's very visionary, I'm finding. He he has ideas, he sees things in images, and I'm going, oh my God, I never even thought of that, that's so good. Um, but he's, he's an actor's director, and you don't get too many of them, let me tell you. I can tell you from sitting on the other side of the fence. So I will be intrigued. Um, we've got a terrific cast. Can I give the cast name check? Can indeed. Can indeed. And while, while, you're, while you're doing that, I, I'll, while you're getting those, I'll reassure the, the listener that, again, um, there is spacing protocols in place. So when you go on and want to book your ticket, it'll bring up the map of the the chart of the theatre and there are spa- they, it, there are appropriate spaces so as that if you're still pre- being protective of yourself uh, masking policies are also still in place at the Gladstone so that again um, if you have that little bit of recitance uh, John and the cast and everybody else are doing everything that they possibly can to provide that level of reassurance. And that's wonderful. Like, what do we all want? We, we, in, in COVID, um, we had two years of live entertainment just ground to a halt because it had to. We all had to stay safe. But I, I'm just the happiest day for me um, when lockdowns were easing. And in Ireland, actually, similar to Canada, we were very cautious. And a lot of people were very on board with that, just, you know, slowly, slowly um, re-entering our old lives, as it were. Um, and we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Um, but it's just, you know, if you said to me, you have to sit in a theatre with a mask, socially distanced, six foot from your neighbour, I don't have a problem. I'm just so happy to be at a live show again. It's wonderful. But um, could I just give a little mention to our wonderful cast, um, oh my God, I'm so privileged. We've got um, three amazing actors. We've got uh, Robin Guy, who plays the role of Susan. Rachel uh, Oyster, um, who plays the part of Jane, um, who's our online dating character. And Melissa, who's um, Susan's daughter, who's uh, 14, 15. Um, and I won't tell you any more about her, but she... She's a tea bag who's been dipped in hot water, as we were saying, to quote Eleanor Roosevelt, is played by um, the wonderful Isabel Gabucci. Um, stage manager is Val uh, Bogan, and the designer is David uh, Magledry. So wait till you see what they've done. Just wait till you see it. Yeah. I hope you'll be back in, in Canada. Uh, sorry, from Scotland, Bonnie, Scotland. Well, we've, we've, our seats, we've our seats booked in the front row. 
Good man. What night? Well, let me know what night you're going. Oh, it's probably, I think it's after we get back. I know it's, I think the 21st of June or something. Yeah, like you know something? It, I want your life. You've got a great life. You really I have do. a good life. I do. I, I have to ask one question before we say goodbye. What movie were you in when you were eight years old? Oh, God. It was actually a, a TV movie. I'm terrified somebody's going to drag it up on before they were famous. Um, and I was, uh, it was about Lady Gregory. Yates and Lady Gregory. Okay. And Lady Gregory was played by the late, great Siobhan McKenna. Yes. Now, I was a little kind of bratty, precocious kid, actor, playing her as a kid. And I was in a dressing room with her. I was, we were on location, this beautiful, stately home. And I remember thinking, wow, being an actor is great. You get off school, you hang around with all these people who tell great stories. She was a great anecdote teller. And she'd be full of stories about, you know, the old days and the fit-ups and just brilliant stories. And about, you know, Siobhan McKenna, like she was. And it was only as I, I grew to adulthood that I realized, wow, that's one of the greatest actors our country ever produced. And there was me as a kid, a little snotty-nosed kid in a dressing room. I was probably driving her mad, but she was kind and she was generous and she gave me acting notes. She told me actually a note that I should bear in mind to this day that I talk too quick, which I still do. But anyway, I, here we go. In in my 50s, and I still haven't t- tackled that. Well, Claudia, it's been a real pleasure because if you hadn't talked so quick, we wouldn't have got as much ground covered. <laughs> Austin, <laughs> thank you so much. And um, can I just say thank you to everybody uh, for supporting Secrets of Primrose Square? And thank you, Austin, very, very much for having me on Irish Radio Canada. It's been an honour. Been an honor for me. Thanks, Claudia.